We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mr. Davis, we are going to dive into a topic that just broke. Uh, there's some breaking news. Uh, I have yet to get it confirmed from my sources in Notre Dame, but it has reported by John Bryce. Uh, okay. John Bryce works for Irish Illustrated and also Football Scoop, and I know he's got some people. He's very, he's connected to a few people at Notre Dame that would say this. This is also something that I was told was going to happen two weeks ago. Uh, so um, with what I was told and the fact that John Bryce is reporting it, I think it's comfortable to say that Chancey Stuckey is not going to be the receivers coach in Notre Dame moving forward. Uh, I'm surprised about the timing. But based on some things that I heard, Sean, that you and I talked about before the show, mm-hmm. I think things had to happen now if they wanted to keep the receiver room together. So just, I mean, I have no problem saying that. And look, I got a couple things I want to say about this. Number one, as a Christian I have a great deal of respect for the faith that Chancey Stuckey has, uh, the work he has done in ministry. I have heard nothing but good things about him as a human being, as a man. But the fact is, he was just not a very good wide receivers coach. And he had a lot, he had a really tough time connecting with the roster. He had a tough time teaching his knowledge, right? Not everyone, like I've said this before, I couldn't coach. High school football, I don't think. I don't think I could. I know I can't coach junior high football. I have a great <laughs> deal of respect for those guys that do that because a lot of them, like I've met some high school, some of the smartest X's and O's guys I ever met yeah. were high school football guys. Some of the, but they are phenomenal teachers if they're good at it. And because you've got to be able to take your knowledge and relay it. And I thought I had, I, I mean, I had a hard time sometimes relay, like, like my first couple years of kind of relaying to, to, to division three college kids much less, you know, junior high, high school kids. Man. And that's a that's an important thing. you got to be able to relate to people and teach what you know. And Chancey Stuckey struggled with that. He also struggled in a big way when it came to how he communicates with his players was, I'll just say it, Sean, now that it's out there, it was awful. It was awful. He had completely alienated the room. Dell Alexander's problem was he didn't know how to coach and he wasn't always honest with yeah. kids 
he's a likable enough guy. This is a different situation because this was a, a level of uh, I don't want to say mistreatment because that's that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, just completely not being willing to put in the relational work, which surprises the heck out of me for someone who was in ministry. This is the this is the most surprising thing, Sean, because you said to me, like, the man I met when they had mm-hmm. the player interviews is not the man that we've heard as a football coach the last two years. No. And, and uh, you have to be able to relate to players. You have to be able to – because you we've said this a million times. You look at Harry Heastan. He'll, he's hard on kids. He cusses at them, but they love him. Why? Because, A, they know he gives a crap. Like he, They know he cares about them beyond just the football, right? You know, and, and that's going to be a big key, Sean. So this is, a, this, is a big, this is a big one. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. We're in the midst of the holiday season, which can bring joy to our lives, but can also bring seasonal blues. This time of the year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot in a time of stress or a time of change. It gives you something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. It's important to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. I think I can relate to the struggle that he might have dealt with. Like I said, man, I remember the first time I met Chancey Stuckey. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed. And the way he took time with me personally to talk about his plans for the wide receiver room uh, really sat with me. And I walked away with that meeting 
saying, yo, I really like this guy, and I hope that he's able to succeed at Notre Dame. That was really my heart's desire. But one thing, Brian, that I think we both understand, I think this is when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> you just hit me with a Chappelle Show reference. <laughs> this is real quick, Sean, real quick. Yeah, I want to hear this. I can confirm. I just talked to a source that said this is a done deal. It's done. Yeah, it's done. So and this this is when keeping it real goes wrong. And what I mean by that, uh, I think he's honest. I think he's truthful. But sometimes as people, we forget that honesty and truth should be equipped with love. It does not have to be brutal. It does not have to be dismissive. And when you are a teacher, the coaches are teachers. You have to be able to deal with multiple personality types. You have to know which kid you can go at hard. And you need to know which kid needs to be coddled a little bit more. Because everybody's not the same. And that's your responsibility as a teacher. To understand the room, to read the room, set the standard. Don't allow anybody to go below the standard, but you have to have the ability to kind of change, to pull the best out of each individual in that room. And when you only have one way, this is my way, mm-hmm. it's my way or the highway, you can alienate a lot of people and you can be abrasive when you're standing strong on your way. And you can also be a, you can also be a, like there, there's that. And then there's also just making a kid feel completely unwanted because you just refuse to even engage with them. Mm-hmm. That also happened mm-hmm. where, because you're mad at a kid. It's like, this isn't a marriage where if I'm upset with my wife and I don't want to say anything bad, I just like, not you look, and she knows like at, at first when I'd be like, I'm, I'm going walking away. My wife is like following. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like she just, she's Italian. She's no, we're, we're having this fight now. Mm-hmm. She learned you better let me walk away and, and be quiet. Cause I'm also Irish. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I have a line, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you mm-hmm. don't, you don't want, you don't want to cross that. Right. Uh, but the reality is, you can also be so like when, when, if you and I were working together, like in a, in an office and we saw each other all the time and we have a normal relation, you know, we talk, 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 talk. And then I'm upset with you. And I come, I bring in the office and I say, Sean, I'm upset about this. And then you try to engage with me over the next two weeks. And I just keep ignoring you acting like you're not in the room. Like you're going to feel a certain way about that as a man. Mm-hmm. Like, well, hold on a second now. Like we can have, some conversations about the job I'm doing. Like I'm a professional. Like you, you talk to me like a man, right? I want to know what I'm doing wrong. You're just going to turn your back on me. You know, not even, not even engage with me, not even talk to me, not, and act like I'm not even here. It's like, we heard about depending on the kid, the two different things. And then when you do come to me, you're going to come at me with some foolishness. Like, you know what I mean? Like now this is, this is why I talk about he stand. You always knew exactly where you stood with Harry Heastand. I've talked about this with Mike Mickens. There's kids that don't play at corner that are good football players mm-hmm. that were approached about transferring last offseason, and they said, no, I'm good. Like, you, you, 
I'm like, you're not going to play. You got Cam, you got, you got Ben, you got Mickey playing over you. You got Christian Gray, Michael Bell coming in. Like, like, no, I love coach. He's hard on me to me. But look, I don't play, but like, he's always coaching me. There's yeah. trust there. He has faith in me. Cause even though I'm not playing, he still coaches me every day. Now, if you've ever seen Mike Mickens in practice, He's not like he stand, but he's a he's a hard coach. Yeah, he's he's on you. you yeah. He's very detailed, and if you don't do exactly what he wants, there's going to be a problem there. But the kids love him and respect him because they know he's doing this because he cares. He communicates with me. I know where I stand, and there's a relationship there. When a coach just basically treats you like you don't even matter, you're not even worthy to be talked to. You're going to feel a certain way about that, even at 18, 19, 20. You might even be worse at 18, 19, and 20 because you don't have the maturity to say, you know, you can't lose your job. You, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you got to ha- – yeah, I, I know your feeling is that you want to come to my office, Sean, and be like, you know, this is how it's going to be. You're not going to mm-hmm. talk to me that way. You know, I got a wife at home. I got kids at home. Like, I got to try to handle this best I can. You know, whereas you're 18, 19 years old, you don't have that life experience. You're going to be like, hold on a second. I'm out. Screw this. And so it just got to the point, Sean, in my opinion, that you had passed the point of no return with a lot of kids. And as I told you before the show, Mm -hmm. if Coach Freeman doesn't make a change, (laughs) you're going to see something similar to happen two, three years ago when most of your room was gone. Yeah. And that's a fact. So I don't think – so I'll just be honest with what I've been told. I was told a couple of weeks ago this move was eventually going to happen. Coach Freeman likes to wait until after the bowl game, see the season through, you know, get through signing, get through the bowl game, and then do what you got to do. Yeah. It had gotten to the point, however, that he couldn't wait any longer. Yeah. He couldn't. And and because there were some guys that were going to leave that they do not want to leave, in my opinion, and, and multiples, multiples. Yeah. And so it had to get addressed. And I'll tell you what, you know, Ryan just texted me. He goes, I I wasn't sure if Freeman had that in him. And I didn't either because I didn't know. I didn't know. We hadn't seen it. Remember what we said? Remember what I said? I talked to you and you said, you hit me. You said, what's your thoughts on the game? Sunday. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things I put, I said, Freeman stayed up. Some of the stuff he's been having to deal with and some of the fires he's had to put out, he's fed up. And I said, that's a good thing. And I remember you saying, I think I saw the same thing. I hope you're right. We'll see in the coming days if that's really the case. And I think this is one of the signs of, yo, Marcus Freeman, which this is, look, you're the head coach. You're supposed to step out in front. You're supposed to take the bullets. That's why you get paid. Like that's that's in the job description, but I think we saw some frustrations with some things, you know, that might not have been evident on the field, and that were evident on the field. Like, yo, I'm fed up, and yeah. I think this, along with conversations that you talked about that have been taking place, and I will say this because you know I've had conversations. This is breadcrumbs from. Yeah. A, a departure this spring in yeah. the same room where admittedly, and I can say this because I know I'm, they have no problem with me saying this. Admittedly, they would admit 
that their son, the parents right. will admit that their son did not handle the situation right. properly. Which masked the other yes. side. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. They will admit that, but it does not change what existed and things that have happened and conversations that have happened. Not only the young man, like you said, coming in, trying to have a conversation, blown off, you know, and it, it is unfortunate because you would think that maybe someone would learn from that situation as far as staff, but, you know, when you get multiple players having a similar experience without the reaction or the visceral reaction to mask it, now it come, becomes more apparent, you know, to Marcus Freeman, like, okay, this is, uh, this is something I have to deal with now. I can't wait. You know, Sean, you and I have always talked about this, and and I, it's a philosophy that I have, and, and and I know you have this way, you have this belief as well, not just with football, but also with, you know, you're you teach, you you mm-hmm. don't teach school, you teach, you know, you teach the word of God, things like that, but like when when you're a teacher and football coaches, at the end of the day, a big part of what you're doing is you're teaching, you have you're a teacher. I have knowledge. I need to relay to you, and then I need you to take that knowledge and apply it the best way you can in life. Right. And when you have a player, that's an issue. And this is the thing about the, the player that you're talking about. I'm not sure if we can say the name or not. I'm not, I'm not sure if, if, you know, I think people know who we're talking about mm-hmm. when it's a issue, you can look at it and say, maybe that coach and that kid didn't click. And then when you hear about some of the things that player did and the manner in which he acted and the, and the outbursts he had, you're kind of like, I think that might've been a him problem. Mm-hmm. But when you are seeing these things happen throughout your entire room or whoever you're responsible for teaching, if you're leading a men's group and it's like you teach something and everybody's coming back and they're saying, yeah, this is what our takeaway was. And you're like, hold on a second. That's not what I meant the takeaway to be. There was clearly something wrong in your teaching. If mm-hmm. one guy comes in and says, Sean, this is my takeaway. And you're like, no, that ain't it. What did you guys all think? And they're all getting the proper takeaway. That guy's interpretation, that guy's understanding was clearly misguided. You got to now teach him up, and make sure that he's on the same page. But if the whole room comes back saying, This is what you meant by that passage, right? You're like, no, clearly <laughs> something in your teaching created a disconnect, mm-hmm. right? Same thing with a football coach. When I have a kid or two kids that are having problems, you, you say, Okay, this is this is a them problem, and I need to do what I need to do to get those kids squared away. I had a fullback at, at Muhlenberg, great athlete. Moved him over from linebacker, didn't really learn well. He learned kind of slow. So what I had to do, coaches were like, dude, we got to get this kid on the field. It figure it out. You're the running backs coach. I'm the running backs coach. I'm on my first year as a football coach. But you know, that's what I was saying in my head on the outside. I was like, I got you, coach. I got this. You know, but on yeah. the inside, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm gonna, you know what I mean? So anyway, but so we would do, we'd sit in we'd have extra film session, we'd do different things. I had to find ways to connect to this kid. You know, we'd get out to practice before practice started. I had to find ways to connect with this kid because we needed him to play. Well, he ended up stepping in and being a really good football player for us. But, like, you had to do that. The rest of my guys figured stuff out. He got it slower, partly because he just learned slower, but partly because he'd played linebacker his whole career, you know, (laughs) in college. And so you look at those things and you say, hey, look, man, I got to figure it out. With this kid, I got to figure it out. You guys are good. I'll keep doing what I'm doing with you guys, but I got to make some extra time with this kid because he's just not getting it. When you're seeing these kind of issues, and, and, and or I may have a player that I just butt heads with. Me yeah. and that kid just don't click. 
I know it. He knows it. We got to have a come to Jesus moment and say, hey, look, you're not a big fan of me. I, you can't talk to me that way, right? Yeah. If you want to play, you got to you got to put that aside, do what I'm asking you to do, and I'm going to coach you up. I'm going to give you everything I got, even though we're button heads, because we, we need you. Yeah. And you figure it out. But when it's happening at your whole room or the majority of your room starts at the top, because I'll tell you right now, from all the sources I've talked to, I've only heard of two players on the whole depth chart that don't have some sort of problem with the position. <laughs> I, I could take a guess of who those two are. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and some people are more, you know, judicious with their concerns, but it's it's always yeah. about how they're treated. That's the thing. I have not had one single player, parent, source, anybody, not one, talk to me about playing time or targets. Not Not one. Has complained mm-hmm. about that. Not one, not one kid who's leaving or is potentially leaving has said, I want to go somewhere I can play more. Not one. It's always about that guy. And it just got to the point where it needed to, it needed to be addressed. And I can speak from a recruiting standpoint. Um, I, I can speak for Cam Williams. He he he'll be at Notre Dame early. Like this, I know people are worried about the recruiting class at the position. I think it's safe, Brian. With you saying this has kind of been in the works, and maybe Marcus Freeman tried to hold off on the decision until after the bowl game, or that was his wishful thinking that maybe he could. That hold comment off. for me, Sean. By the way, is just a, a guess. Yeah. That part I don't know for a fact. I yeah, don't know for okay. a fact that he wanted to wait till after. No, the but you game. were saying that's usually that, that's how he like. And that had been him. like we all knew that that Jeff Quinn wasn't coming back. Right. He right. had informed Coach Quinn early on, and he gave Coach Quinn the option of we'd like for you to stay and see it through. And Jeff Quinn, being an honorable man, because I always said this, Jeff Quinn was not a very good offensive line coach. My my opinion, Jeff Quinn was one of the most decent, good-hearted men I've ever met in the coaching profession. He was a great guy. He was one of very good offensive line coach. Jeff Quinn, being a man of honor, understanding that his job is first and foremost as a teacher, said, yeah, I'll stay on. And he put forth the best effort he could in bowl prep, knowing he wasn't coming back, Yeah, which says a lot about Jeff Quinn, right? Uh, but it was, let's let's get through the bowl game. That's just what it's been in the past. I can't tell you that that was Marcus's Coach Freeman's goal now. I, I don't know that. That's some, not something I had been told. I just want to make sure everybody's clear that 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 was my opinion that part I want to make I want to make sure Sean that I'm always clear on what is a fact or what is something that's been sourced and what's my opinion and in that instance I was not clear the whole thing about him wanting to wait that's more of what I my readers of the situation and my opinion based on things not something that I was told directly so I just wanted to make sure that we're clear on that you can no, you can continue. absolutely and and thanks for clarifying that because we don't want to mislead you know anyone. But just, you know, in talking about the situation and understanding the background of certain things that we do know. And, yo, we can go back even further, right, to, you know, how Chancey Stuckey ended up getting the job. And, you know, certain things that took place, you know, with that, it is just unfortunate that it's played out the way that it's played out. It, it just is. 
But uh, like I said, it is a clear example, in my opinion, Brian, of when keeping it real goes wrong. It just it just is. And, you know, we. All of us have our beliefs. And our core beliefs and, you know, what we stand on. Get married. That's all. That's that's see. See how long you play hard as a man once you get married man because you know it's a lot of compromise and then have you know become parents and compromise happens even more you know and that's just something that i i wish this is the difficult part because marcus freeman believes in giving his coaches um or empowering his coaches to deal with the position rooms and to have the conversations and the player conversations with the players in those rooms. He's talked about this several times, right? And in doing that, he's entrusting that that responsibility is being handled the right way. But when he finally finds out, okay, one situation, it's like, okay, yeah but then here's another situation and another situation and it's like what i don't i hope maybe he feels like he has to make changes moving forward and kind of take some of that responsibility for conversations with guys maybe he will make that change within the program but i i I don't think he should change if that's his core belief and he wants his coaches to have that ability to have honest conversations with players, you know, about whatever they want to talk about, then then stick to that. Don't don't allow this situation to make you move off of that. And now you just look forward to seeing who he chooses to be the replacement, you know. And uh, it would be very interesting because maybe the offensive line, they kind of, you talk, you reported this. They kind of interviewed Joe Rudolph. Maybe we'll see the wide receiver room sit with some of the candidates and have some questions, you know, to see what the vibe is. Uh, you know, maybe the way things have happened, maybe that's something that's needed in the process to find, you know, the successor. To Chancey Stuckey. But it, it's very interesting. And I am um I'm happy, man, because I think this entire year I've seen growth from Mark Marcus Freeman. I think I've seen growth from him as a coach and being able to make tough decisions and maybe do some things that he might not have been comfortable doing a year ago, or might not even have made the same decision just a year ago. But Moving forward, I think he's very aware of what's needed at Notre Dame to be successful. I think he's aware because sometimes, man, look, you know, he was put in a situation where he had to make a choice. He had to make a choice. And a lot of times, you know, coaches will be loyal to one side because they feel like they can always go get another, another guy on the other side and um it's uncomfortable it's difficult 
But, you know, it was a decision that needed to be made because I don't think it was representative of how he wants his program to be represented. And that's that's the biggest thing. Like as a coach, when you're not representing me and how I would handle situations, I, I can't have you misrepresenting me or misrepresenting this program. And I think for him, that's something that hit home in this situation. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, Game Time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. So, Sean... Now we get into the, the the part of now they've got a receivers coach hire to make. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is this is going to give Jared Parker an opportunity because, again, I know that you know, people say, well, you know, Marcus Freeman said he wanted everybody back. He has to say that, right? Sean, I mean, how, Sean, how many weeks have you and I been talking about the fact that I just don't think Stucky's going to be back next year based on everything I'm hearing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. weeks. And... Um, the opposite is true of the intel we get about Jared Parker. So just let's move on from that part of the conversation. Okay. We'll have that conversation a different day of whether or not I think that's the right or wrong decision, whatever. I'll just tell you right now, I, I think that's the right decision. You know, now there's a lot of pressure on him, but I think that's the correct decision to, to bring Jared Parker back. Well, now Jared Parker gets to have a role in who's going to be the next receivers coach. Here's the interesting yeah. thing. It could potentially be him. I mean, he coached receivers at West Virginia, Duke, Penn State, Purdue. I mean, he—that's he, the position he played at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't—I don't think that that would be the. Just my opinion. I don't think that that would be the first choice. But what it does is it gives you the option to, as you put your staff together, you have that flexibility. To where, if like, hey, you know, we got a chance to bring in a a really good tight ends coach who's a great recruiter, I'll go coach receivers. My mm-hmm. my thought would be that they are going to try to go find 
a receiver's coach because I think Jared Parker would like to have a smaller room to be responsible for, yeah. which the tight ends are. And that is a big part of the offense as well because it's just easier to coach five guys than it is 10, 12 guys. It just, it just yeah. is when you're also trying to coordinate the offense. So, but this is going to be the first opportunity for him to kind of go out and, and put more of a stamp on that particular position, uh, which is sort of his baby. It's like, it's like me coaching, you know, with quarterbacks and, and at times with receivers, you know, you, when you're offensive coordinator and you're coaching a position that may not be your, your bread and butter position, you really want to make sure that you've got a guy there that you have a lot of faith in. And uh, how long have I been complaining about receiver play? And how, I mean, it's the way they're being, what they're being taught or not taught has really been a drag on the offense this year, Sean. And, and we've talked about that how many times. Mm-hmm. And so now it's up to Jared Parker to make sure that he goes out there and get a guy that can be a teacher, a great teacher of all the things that he wants to do, different route concepts and all those type of things. And, you know, figure that out because now the staff is going to like, this is sort of one of the, like this is Dylan McCullough is also a previous, like a Tommy Reese hire, and that's worked out great. So this isn't a criticism of Tommy Reese. It's just more yeah. of when you're the OC, you want to have a staff that's made up of guys that have your back and guys that you know and guys that you kind of brought in or interviewed and all that. Dylan McCullough's done a great job. And from everything I've ever heard from my sources, Jared Parker has a great deal of respect for Dylan McCullough. Uh, so, so I, again, I want to make sure this isn't a Tommy Reese hire bad conversation I'm just saying mm-hmm. this particular one by Tommy Reese was bad because but he trusted John McNulty because that's where this ultimately came from John McNulty coached Chancey Stuckey in the pros and that's why he pushed for this hire and you also had at the time a coach who didn't really want a guy like Jamarcus Shepard who was going to kind of come in and and want more of a authority and and that's just you know, the way they went. So they they took a chance on Chancey Stuckey. In his two years, he's been a great recruiter. I mean, he really has. Uh, he's been an excellent recruiter. So, you, you know, give props where, where they're due. But he, you know, and, and they improved last year at receiver, but the thing we said in the offseason was there was no ability to be worse than what it was before. You were going to – the question is now, could he take it to the next level? That was our question. And clearly he couldn't. And uh, with all the other issues, it just made sense to make the move. And I, I'm just, I'm happy because what was the biggest complaint we had about Brian, about Brian Kelly? He was so slow to recognize when there were problems and move on from them. Like this is a perfect example of, of, of Marcus Freeman saying, hey, we got better near one. There was a couple issues. Let's work through it. Do this, do that. And let's go be better next year. And they just weren't. And then when you compound some of the personality stuff, it's like you had to make a move. I'm actually surprised just because I'm so used to this just kind of manifesting for several years. I mean, what I've heard about Chancey Stuckey still not com- does not compare to what I heard about Brian Van Gorder his first two years. And he got brought back for a third year, right? Uh, the difference between Chancey Stuckey and Jeff Quinn is Jeff Quinn was a, a very honorable man whose players liked him as a human being. Big difference. But he wasn't getting jo- job done at coaching and they just kept kind of you know, Dell Alexander, decent, you know, good guy, bad coach, uh, you know, and, and he, but he never addressed those things. I mean, there were, there was issues in the, in the room and guys being transferring out nonstop, did nothing about it. Right. Did nothing about it. The C coach Freeman step in and say, no, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't huh. like you said, John, this isn't how my program is going to go. This is mm-hmm. not how we're going to treat people. And, and, and you didn't live up to the expectations as a coach and these other, as a developer, 
as a leader, and it's time to move on. Those are all me reading what I think is behind this. This is not, you know, I, I that wasn't Coach Freeman calling, you know what I mean? Like, it's just reading the situation and, and the sources that I do have and some of the frustrations they have. So I uh, I think this is going to be something that that is going to gain a lot of respect for Coach Freeman in the locker room. That, hey, I, hey he's going to have our back. And that's important because you saw how important I believe the locker room was to him getting the job and how important those players were to him getting the head coaching position. Not to say that's the main reason, but it played a part in Jack Swarbrick's decision to ultimately hire Marcus Freeman as the head coach at Notre Dame. And when you think about that, yeah, you don't want to lose the locker room. That's the one thing you don't want to do. And in a situation like this, you know, young men talk. They know what's going on. Even if they're a linebacker, if their guy's in that wide receiver room, they're hearing about it. They know about it. And it's like I said, I'm shocked, Brian, if I can say that. Because I can only go off of my initial meeting with Chancey Stucky. I'm shocked at some of the things that we've heard and how things have played out. I'm absolutely shocked. There is no way the man that I spoke to and I met on that day, there's no way I would have thought that he would have treated young men in the fashion that we've heard from certain stories. And it is really disappointing for me because I don't think it makes him a bad person. Just not a good teacher. Like, you're just not a good teacher and it doesn't mean that he is a failure at that because he can get better and he can learn from this situation and be successful. We've seen coaches fail at being offensive coordinators and come back and the next time around they're successful or the third time around they're successful. So, I mean, that's just life, right? You learn this wasn't the right thing. And, and maybe um, the culture at Notre Dame, maybe he didn't understand the type of young men that are very conscientious and, and, and willing to communicate and have real conversations. Maybe that doesn't really exist at other programs. Well, at Notre Dame, these young men, they can comprehend what you're saying and they can express what they want to tell you and how they interpret what you're saying. So, you know, if you are can, not open to have those real conversations, yeah. You know, on you nail. They're different. Notre Dame naturally attracts a different kind of kid, not not, not mm-hmm. from any school, because I think Stanford attracts a different kind of kid as well. Notre Dame attracts a different kind of kid, a kid that how do I say this? Maybe a little bit more intellectual in in how they approach just life, mm-hmm. which is why a place like Notre Dame is attractive to them in the first place. And this goes back years. And this, I promise you, the story was the same during the Holtz era because you're always going to have kids transfer. You, you, yeah. Notre Dame had kids transfer. Like Arnold Ollie was a guy that started as, I think, a redshirt freshman at, at Notre Dame in 1988. He transferred. Some guys just aren't happy, right? I mean, it's just, you know, Dorsey Levins transferred. I mean, you know, under, under Kent Graham, and there's everyone's going to have transfers. Yeah. But what I, what I mean is this is you, you, you go back and, and just since I've been covering the team, so I'm saying that that preface because I don't want this to seem like a a Brian Kelly shot. It, this this is just football. 
you're always going to have kids that want to leave. The number of times I've heard, I've talked to a parent or a player or a high school coach or a source that they say he would have left, but he wanted to stay to get his degree. Right? That's different than what you see in a lot of places where it's like, yes, he wants to play in the NFL, but you know, he came here for a reason, you know, and he Mm -hmm. just wants to stay and get his degree. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, these kids are different. They, they, here's the thing about Notre Dame. Some people use this as a knock. I don't think it's a knock because I think it's also what has made Notre Dame so great in the other year, past years is football is not the everything for these kids. Meaning they're just not this, this, negative perception of what people think certain players are, which is, this is all I got. You can't take this away from me. It's all I got. That's mm-hmm. not true for kids that come to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Like if the football thing doesn't work out, I'm still going to make a lot of money in my life because I'm getting a business degree from the University of Notre Dame. I'm going to be good, mm-hmm. right? So I don't got to put up with this. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, whereas other kids, like they may take it because they're like, I can't rock the boat. Like I need this. This is my few, this is my life, you know, and so you just, you can't get away with certain things and how you interact with these kids because you will lose the room much quicker than you might at other places where coaches are that way. And, and once you lose the room, you can't, it just, it can't be salvaged. It can't, if you lose a couple kids, fine, but it just, it can't be salvaged. And, And as you and I knew, Sean, he lost the room. I mean, he just flat out lost a room. This is a move. This is a move that Coach Freeman had to make, but not one that we've always seen past coaches of Notre Dame make. That's the thing. Like he needed to make it. He should have made it. But we have, Sean, how many years have you and I been doing, have been friends where we're like, this guy shouldn't be here anymore, but he's going to be because the previous head coach isn't going to do a dang thing about it. it. You know, Coach Freeman is, is, is a different animal in this regard. And, and we've always said like he, demands not just results on the field but uh, there's a way we're going to treat people and i just i have to think that he wasn't happy about the things that he was told and that's why you start seeing these you know you start hearing more of these rumblings when did we start hearing rumblings about this during the first two bye week during the two bye weeks mm-hmm. why because that's when you start com- sitting down and having where conversations, we have conversations. Yeah. and you start hearing some things like hold on a second um this ain't right let's deal with this and you know, you, you just don't see a coach for a school that's nine and three and ranked in the top 20 get fired a week at less than a week at three days after the season's over. It's not just for job. It's not just for the receivers weren't good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this isn't, I mean, he did a bad job this year coaching receivers just from a football standpoint, using the right guys, coaching the right guys, all that kind of stuff. But when you start hearing say, hearing sources tell you like they think that these kids think that they're being like set up to fail. When I'm getting like, what, hmm. what are we talking about here? Like, this isn't our football anymore. This is about, you've made a kid feel like you have it out for him. And it's not a kid. Hmm. You've made this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid, this kid think that you don't care about him. You'd have no interest in coaching them. And that's wrong, man. You just can't be that way. And, and I'm, I am not happy that a man lost his job. I'm not, I'm I never take joy in that unless it's like, you know, like, look, a a dictator, you know, in a country gets voted out or gets, you know, thrown. Right. I mean, there's some jobs where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm glad that you lost your job, but like, we're talking football here, right? This is football. I'm not happy guy lost his job, but it needed to be done. Yeah. 
and Coach Freeman did. Because, like, I promise you, even though it needed to be done, it's still not easy. Unless no. you have like no heart, no soul, you still know you still respect this man as a as a human. Like I've heard people say, man, he's just a decent guy. Yeah. Just, he doesn't have the temperament to be a football coach. That's what it comes down to for me. You yeah. got to have a proper temperament to be a football coach. Yeah. And nothing that I've seen from Chancey Stuckey over the last year makes me think he has the proper temperament to deal with young people and develop young people in this format. Maybe in ministry he will. Maybe and that's a different form, and he that's his sweet spot. But in this one. He doesn't have the temperament to deal with young people this way. Just, yeah. And and, and I, I don't think this is going to have any impact on Chris Tyree, by the way. We'll talk about Chris Tyree next, but uh, one of the questions, I don't I don't think this is going to be more about hoping that some of the other players don't leave. I think the, yeah. I think the Chris Tyree decision has been made, and, and it's a little deeper than just this. Yeah. You know, he has his degree. I think this is making sure that, you don't lose Deion Colsey if you best you can. Braylon James, right. Jaden Greathouse, Tobias Merriweather, mm-hmm. you know, those guys. You yeah. got to make sure that you don't lose those guys. So that's 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 kind of where, where we're Let's at. juxtapose what we're talking about. Because I want to be fair and, and really be clear. Because, you know, I, I don't want any message boards, polls, like misrepresenting anything that's been said. Because we want to be fair in this situation, uh, we 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 want to be clear. Like Chancey Stuckey is not a bad person, and we've been very clear about that. As far as a, a man, I've never heard one person say he's a bad guy. He's just all. he's he's a liar. He 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 is you know at, uh, get him out of the coaching office, and everything I've ever heard about him as a, as a human being is he's a good man. So I just opposed that. Who was Jeff Quinn? Next to Harry. Right. Who was about as abrasive <laughs> as you can be. But those young men felt the love. Yeah. See, there's a way to be honest with young men, but they still feel loved and they still feel like you want the best for them. And there have been players that have gone on to greater things that if you talk to them now, they might not have gotten along with Harry Heastan while they were at Notre Dame. Yeah. But as they going on through life, they say, you know what? Now I understand what he was saying, and I love that man. Didn't Steve Elmer have a similar conversation yes. about that with you yes. guys on your show? A- absolutely. Uh, I have – I have. you know, Liam Eikenberg didn't really see didn't, – didn't take well to Coach Heastan's coaching when he was here. Mm-hmm. I think he was here for one, two years with Coach Heastan. But who did Liam Eikenberg turn to before his the 2020 season? Can you work with me? Can you help me out? It was Harry Heastan. Because mm-hmm. Liam learned, like, dude, that was more of a me problem. Like, like I, I needed to deal with things. That's just who Coach is. But, you know, I, he, he cared. So, so even though he didn't necessarily like it when he was here, when he left, you realize, like, yo, I had an opportunity here, and I kind of missed it. And now I have another opportunity to work with him because he's not with the Bears anymore. He's living in town. And so that's you'd hear Hainsey, Eichenberg, and Kramer constantly over at he, with He Stand trying to do stuff. I mean, I'll share, mm-hmm. I'll talk about it now. They're all gone, so I can share it now. They'd go privately do stuff with him. You know what I mean? Because first, but, but to your point, why does Harry He Stand do that? The man is getting paid by Notre Dame and the Bears. <laughs> you know, he's he's got his kids, like he's got he's a grandpa. You know, his his daughter's doing stuff. His son's in the coach. I think his son coaches with the Broncos now, right? Like he he had plenty of things to do. 
other than working with some kids that weren't his responsibility anymore. But what did he do? He made the time. Why? Yeah. Why did he make the time with Chris Watt to, to help mentor Chris Watt as a GA? Why? Because he cares. Yeah. Right. And and I and I wholeheartedly think that Chancey Stuckey, if you were to take him out of this role and make him like the team chaplain, if that was his role, I think the players oh, have a much different opinion of, of Chancey Stuckey. Well, love him. Different role. Yeah. But in this role as a football coach, he just doesn't have the temperament for it, in my opinion. And it's sad because some players are going to have a very negative opinion about him as a man because of how he treated them in this role. And that's unfortunate, but you know, that, that's the risk you run when you go hire a guy with no coaching experience. Like it may turn out and it's in it. Cause it was never about, does he know football? I mean, Chancey Stuckey, absolutely guy played in the NFL for about 10 years. Like, trust me, Chancey Stuckey. And he wasn't an elite athlete. He wasn't real big. Chancey Stuckey wasn't the NFL for a long time because freakish athleticism it's because he was smart he's a former quarterback played quarterback in high school and was recruited to clemson to play quarterback actually threw passes as a quarterback at clemson you know and so you know he's got the mental part of the game down he just doesn't have the temperament and he doesn't know how to teach it the right way in my opinion to where it's relatable to young people and you needed to make a move and they made a move so i don't want to continue just beating up on the guy you know um which that's why i want to say like that's the last thing right. we're doing. But this is a move. Uh, this is a move that needed to happen. Yeah. In my view, it needed to happen. That is the latest, Sean. So Chancey Stuckey uh, will not return as Notre Dame's uh, wide receivers coach. Now, I don't know if this is a um, a permanent move, like a move that happens right now that they are going to have to make changes for the bowl game. If he stays for the bowl game, my guess would be that he will not be there anymore is my guess, but um, yeah, we'll see. So uh, final, final thoughts on this, Sean, about uh, just this move. My final thoughts really won't come until I find out who's replacement. Cause like that's, that's just as important as this move. Like who you get is just as important as Marcus Freeman making this move. Marcus Freeman, in my opinion, made this move because he had to for some of the reasons that we laid out. And in my opinion, it saves the locker room. It saves that position room. That's a wonderful thing because even though this season has been a disappointment, I'll continue to say that there is promise within this program. If you look at where it is now, and where it was at the end of Brian Kelly's tenure. Be patient because you're having a first-time head coach having to learn on the fly at Notre Dame trying to win a national championship. And that is, it's a a task for an experienced head coach. The task becomes even more difficult. And you have to be encouraged by some of the things you've seen. You can be disappointed with the outcome of games and certain losses, but be encouraged by certain things that we're seeing. And hopefully we'll see more encouragement during the bowl game where we'll get to see a lot more of the young players show their wares against whatever opponent Notre Dame has in their particular bowl game. So that's, that's how I'll wrap it up. Even though 
We don't want to see anyone lose their job. It, it really bodes well for the direction of the program. In yeah. my opinion. Well, this is going to be a big hire, Sean. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the reason I say that is, is because I, I've said this before. We as fans sometimes far too often take the lazy route in our criticism. And I'm seeing it now in the chat. I'm, I'm not, I mean, no disrespect, but it's lazy. Blame this guy. When in reality, it's like, I can't do my job if you're not doing yours. Uh, it's as simple as that. I can't do my job at a high level when you're not doing your job. And let's talk timeline here. Mm-hmm. Some things were learned during the first bye week. And even more things came to light in the second bye week about what was going on. Some things were changed and kind of dealt with immediately. Certain people started kind of doing things a little differently. And what happened the next two games? We saw a much different looking offense, not just performance against a bad team. I'm talking structurally. We saw a different offense. We saw receivers moving around more. We saw guys being used in different ways to get to the football, all that type of different different things. There, That's not a coincidence. I can't do my job if you don't do yours. That's a very much a true thing in football. And... We're going to see what happens moving forward. But I've always felt that the the just blame Jared Parker for everything stuff was just lazy, in my opinion. Yeah. It just was. Now, does that mean Jared Parker was perfect? No, far from it. I mean, and I think Jared Parker would tell you that. I would guess if he's if he's a, if he's a coach worthy of keeping at Notre Dame, then he's a coach that's willing to tell you there's a lot of things I would have liked to have done better this year as part of the learning process. Just like Marcus, there's a lot of things Marcus Freeman and Al Golden wish they could have done better in 2022. Right. So you, you say, hey, this is where he needs to improve. These are the changes that he needs to be made. And Marcus Freeman said yesterday, we got to be better against the better teams on the schedule. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm glad that he said that. Uh, but at the same time, there we we far too quickly like to blame certain things for why other things aren't working. When in reality, it's like that can't work until this, this, this gets fixed. And does that mean I'm predicting Jared Parker is going to go out there and look like Joe Brady next year. I'm not saying that he's got a lot to prove as well, mm-hmm. but you've got to make sure before you make decisions about him, that you make sure he's, we say that like, people complain about this all the time. Marcus Freeman needs to be supported by the administration and given all the resources he needs to be successful. True. Very true. So does Al Golden. So does, so does Jared Parker. Right. Isn't that kind of part of what we talked about? So Jared Parker's got to get better. This is not a Jared Parker support group, right? This is a, he's got to get better. But as we've been telling you all year, there's other things going on that aren't Jared Parker problems. He can't coach every position. He's supposed to coach the quarterback, the receivers, and the tight ends, and the offensive line. That's not reality, folks. You hire people to do their job, and if they don't do your job, it's harder for me to do my job. You know, it's like, well, what what plays would you like me to call when our offensive line is getting absolutely blown up off the ball every snap? Well, what what would you like me to what's what should I dial up right now? What should I dial up right now when our receivers don't know how to do basic release moves off the line? What what, what exactly would you like me to call? Right now, here's some things you need to call. We talked about those, and last two weeks, as I believe, more control and more 
authority was given to Jared Parker, things look different. They start doing motions to get guys free. Imagine that. They start moving different guys around to create personal. Imagine that, right? Now he's got to take it to a whole nother level and do that against Ohio State, do that against Clemson, do that against Georgia, do that against Bama, do that against Texas A&M, do that against Florida State. That's the next step. And I don't know if he's going to do that or not. We're going to find that out. But the reality is he's coming back. Deal with it. Now it's up to him to say, what do I need to do to make sure that what we do against Navy, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Michigan, uh, USC, Pitt, Wake, and Stanford is also what we do against Ohio State and Duke and Louisville and Clemson. Now, you're not always going to score 40 points a game against those teams. Nobody does. But what you can do is say, can we get to the 24 that we need to beat Ohio State who scored 21? Can we get to the 20 to beat Ohio State who scored 17? Sometimes you got to get to 34 to beat Clemson who scored 31. Sometimes you got to get to the 35 to beat you know Louisville who scored 33. Right? Sometimes it's not going to be elite. Hmm. But it's got to be good enough to win those games, right? Sometimes it needs to be 40. Sometimes it just needs to be 24, but at the end of the day, you got to have more points than the other team that you're playing. And against the best teams on the schedule this year, in my opinion, the six best teams that Notre Dame played this year, NC State, who's ranked, by the way, because Lutz Emoji told me something brilliant years ago. He goes, what you have to understand about Notre Dame fans is the only big games Notre Dame ever plays are games that they lose. So when people talk about big games, they never talk about USC, who's in the top 10. They never talk about NC State who had as a top 25 defense, who's 9-3 and three and ranked in the top 20 right now. That's considered not a big game. They scored 45 points, had almost 500 yards of offense. That never gets brought up. NC State, Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC, Clemson. Six biggest games in the schedule this year. Notre Dame went 3-3. Three and three. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. Jared Parker's offense did really well in two of those games, didn't do well in four of those games. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. He's got to get better. But in order for him to get better, you need to make sure that you're giving him all the tools that he needs to thrive. And in some instances, he has it, and which is why the running backs were so freaking good this year, right? I mean, you got one of the best in the business of that position, and you've got freshmen and sophomores who've never played before coming in and making plays. Why? And they was and they were still flawed, right? Because it was right. we it was the eleventh game, and they were still struggling right. picking up blitz, which is going to happen, right? You and, know, and, I mean. He, he's not perfect, but he did some no. really good things for that group. Absolutely. Um, you didn't. You didn't see some things all over here. You just didn't. You just didn't. Okay. Just let. Can I say something to support what you're saying? Because this is one of my sticking points, and um, people try to be. Uh, they try to project their anger. If you want to be angry with Jared Parker, and you want to blame him for everything then you have to credit him for everything you can't have it one way it goes both ways if you're going to blame him then give him the credit give him the credit for 36 points with what we're finding out what's going on in the wide receiver and, and, room. and sean can but, i just say one thing sure, this is absolutely. all this this receiver stuff is now only coming to light we're only sharing with you the stuff that we knew now it's because been the move has been made spring. but that's not the only issue there's no. other things that need to get dealt with that will get dealt with in the offseason mm-hmm. that we can't talk about. Just like, I mean, 
you don't have it cross my heart sean how long i've been talking to you about the about the issues going on at receiver how long have you and i been talking about this and how it's That's hurting strange. the offense yes big time yeah and especially in the last two months of this season just stuff mm-hmm. that i was hearing that i can't share because if i did people would know who was telling it to me yeah and I'm always going to respect my sources. Well, you know, Pete, we have a right to know. No, you don't. Because if I told you, I never have that source again. Yeah. Right. And it hurt, does more harm to the program than good. Right. So like, this isn't the only issue. This isn't deal with this. And now everything is, you know, rainbows and no. sunshine. There's no. other things that got to get addressed, including what Jared Parker, he's got to make adjustments and changes to how they prepare the team and things like that. And we saw some evolution in the season. Now you say, well, I wish he would have figured it out sooner. Uh, agree. Mm-hmm. Again, this isn't a Jared Parker did everything right and he was screwed over by Chancey Stuckey. I'm not saying that. Jared Parker's got to get better. But you, like you said, Sean, you can't ignore the fact that they their nine wins, their nine wins were by a combined margin of 32.3 points per game. That's d- ridiculous. Yeah. You, you also yeah. have to express that. Now, at the end of the day, Marcus Freeman, Jared Parker, Dela McCullough, Al Golden, Mike Mickens, Al Washington, all of them are going to be judged on what do you do in the biggest moments. And that's part of the reason why, although overall, I'm not pleased with the job Joe Rudolph did. There's two reasons why I will absolutely pound on the table to say that I think he needs to come back next year. Number one, they finished well. Now, I have some beefs about why didn't you play this guy sooner and all that. But the second one is, in the biggest game of the year this year, his line played their butts off, and that's Ohio State. That yeah. matters to me. Yeah. I'm willing to say, hey, I don't like how you played against Pitt. I don't like how you played against Central Michigan, but, man, you had your boys ready to play in that game. Now, I don't like how you had them ready against Duke. I don't have them, right? So there's things that got to get fixed. But I saw your boys step up in the biggest game of the year and play their butts off against a really good defense. That matters to me. But at the end of the day, that's how they're all evaluated. I'm simply saying Jared Parker has a lot to prove, but there's a lot of things that went on this year that we have not seen Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame lost to the best teams in our schedule. Guys, that's been true for 30 years. This isn't new. This isn't new to Jared Parker. This isn't Notre Dame is beating all the best teams. Jared Parker shows up and they don't beat the best teams. Yeah. Like, go look at the points per game in those games. It's still higher than we've seen in recent years, but it's not good enough. I'm not going to make that. Well, they lost better than – you know, Brian Kelly's team's lost. They didn't get blown out like Brian Kelly's team. I don't care. I don't care if you lose by 30 or one. You lost. It's got to get better. It's got to get better. Right? But you also have seen some really good things. You say, if you can build on that, improve here, build on that, you're going to be successful. And one of the things is, is you needed this. You needed this. You needed to make this move to give Parker... Rudolph, Coach McCullough, the need, the support they need to now go as an offensive unit and thrive. This move needed to happen. I don't like it, but it needed to happen. It did. Look, I, I've always said multiple times, our show and with you, that a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. And I said the dysfunction that you see on the offensive side of the ball comes from the dysfunction going all the way back to the Ludwig situation and other things that we knew about in the offseason. 
wasn't shocking to us. Like we understood understood why we were seeing the dysfunction. People didn't just they just they, Brian they just didn't want to believe us. They didn't want to believe that oh we're sitting up here looking at the all twenty two. This thing with this thing with number ten is not going right. It's not trending right. Oh, what are you talking about? All right, and now all of a sudden, you no know, everybody else is you know well yeah you know Jack Cone might have been the better. Oh, yeah, we said that four or five weeks ago. We saw it trending this way. And it's like, look, the dysfunction was there. They went nine and three in the midst of it. As I said before, with everything that was happening in the wide receiver room, the injuries added to that. Notre Dame averaged, what, 30? Is it 36.1 points a game? Right? The biggest complaint this fan base well, had about Notre Dame this year average. Yeah, they're averaging thirty nine point one. Okay, I'm sorry, thirty nine point one. It the jumped up the last two weeks, Sean. They were at thirty six two weeks ago. So okay, yeah, but yeah, the last couple weeks jumped it up. Yeah, the biggest complaint Notre Dame fans had with Tommy Reese is that Notre Dame couldn't even score points offensively against bad teams. They struggled against Toledo. They struggled against MAC teams. They struggled to score against Marshall and Stanford last year. And now you're to a point where you struggle in the big games, but you're smashing the teams you should smash, as improving programs should do. And it's not good enough. It's like, dude, it's not good enough. The only thing that's good enough, it seems like, is perfection, right? Mike Bobo was looked at as a terrible offensive coordinator from his still, first two offenses. Still think so. Terrible. What's the yeah. difference this time? He's got What's a great supporting cast around him and really good Great one. supporting cast and about five to seven playmakers offensively. Right. And an ultimate chess piece that it doesn't matter where you put him, whether you put him in motion, give him reverses, put him in the slot, put him out wide against cornerbacks, that number 19 is going to be open. Mm-hmm. My question is, does Jared Parker have one of those dudes? Because either you get him or you develop him. It has to happen one of the ways. Either right. you recruit him and he comes on and, campus that way, or you have to and develop him. I, and I think guys. they do. I think they do have both, and I think they're bringing more in. That, that's been my frustration this whole season, has been, look, I know that Jaden Greathouse is young. But we saw when you used him correctly, he was really good. People can talk about Tobias this, Tobias that. Tobias had a mm-hmm. terrible game against Duke, and we hammered him for it. Yeah. But Sean, I, I, I've been telling people for the last five games, this kid is torching people game after game after game. If you're on the Irish Breakdown message board, I put the video up. I could, guys, I could put 30, uh, not 30, because he doesn't play enough to do 30. I could put 10, 15 videos up just from the last three, four games alone of Tobias getting multiple steps. I mean, even against Nate Wiggins, just I got three steps on Nate Wiggins. That's as open as you're ever going to get against Nate Wiggins, right? Against Stanford, whose guys weren't as good. He's open by four or five steps. I mean, you've got those guys. You know, Jordan Faison with his role can be a dynamic guy. You got Braylon James, who I think can be a dynamic guy. Was Braylon ever going to be a guy that's going to play a ton as a rookie? No, but he should have played more. Got Cam Williams coming in. And that's the frustration is if we were sitting here with guys who just aren't great players, Sean, I'd say, look, he didn't do a great job. 
but you are only going to be so good. You were young this year. Receiver is not mm-hmm. a position you should be that bad because you're young, yeah. especially kids coming from the programs that Rico and Jaden Greathouse came from. I mean, those guys regressed as route runners this year, Sean. People say, well, you all these you got yeah, these freshmen play. He doesn't get credit for that. I'm sorry. No, he doesn't. Because when a kid shows up and he already knows how to run routes, and then he actually regresses as a route runner with you, that that yeah, that I'm not gonna give you credit for that. And that's the whole that was the whole praise we gave Rico and Jaden when we talked about guys being ready to play early was these kids are gonna come in as really gonna come in ready runners. to go. Yes. You know, that was the whole point. And so, you know, you just you weren't good enough. So I know a lot of people, again, this is just, it's an easy way out, right? Well, they just don't have enough talent. Okay, fine. We can stick with that if you want to stick with that. But I'm, you know, let's just wait and see. Because in the end of the day, the, we're, we're going to find out if I'm wrong or we got a guy in the chat named, uh, I think, Stubcast, who's really hammering Parker. I respect the conversation from what I've seen so far, Sean, because he's, he's not getting personal. He's not taking shots. It's just, look, we just agree to disagree. I respect it. But we're going to find out. Moving forward, if you know, who's right? Is Parker the guy? Well, this this problem is no longer in front of you right now. You can't use this as, as an excuse anymore, right? You're not going to be as young next year if, if you can convince these kids to come back. Tobias will be a junior. Jane Thomas will be a senior. Hopefully, Dion stays. He'll be a senior. You know, all these freshmen mm-hmm. will be sophomores. There's no excuse in, on it, right? So, and if it doesn't get better, then we know. Yeah. That wasn't the only problem, you know? So, that's kind of where we're at. So big hire coming up for Notre Dame at receivers coach, Sean. Uh, we're going to move into some of the other things here in a second. I do want to talk about Chris Tyree departures, Zeke Carell's departure. Uh, we will try to have a mailbag. I'm going to have to go back and try to find some questions. If you want to answer, ask some questions now, please put the MB. Um, hey, and subcast too, man, you are more than welcome to disagree. The thing I've appreciated about this conversation is it's just been a a, disagree, a, a good conversation of disagreement. That's always welcome. And that's, right? that's, that's never fine. Been personal. I appreciate you, man. I really, that's do. Fine. I really do. Disagree. Yeah. But look, yeah. be fair. And he has. I mean, again, it, it's, let's, it's, let's, it's, let's it's be good. fair. It's been good. When someone, when someone deserves the blame, they deserve the credit. Right. And right. when Notre Dame scores 39 points in a season, something we haven't seen in a long time, don't poo-poo that and just dismiss it. Right. Well, all was against the bad team. Right. Yeah, that's something they well, couldn't it, do. But see, again, that's also inaccurate. That's the thing that's frustrating is like NC State was not a bad team. USC became a bad team partly because of the absolute humiliation that Notre Dame did to them. Right? That was a big moment. Right. And so you can't say it was only against the bad teams. That's just not accurate. But we'll we'll, we'll have all offs. Trust me, we're going to have to talk about that all offseason. And at the end of the day, Coach Parker's job, if he wants to change hearts and minds, is to put a better product on the field against the better teams as well. That's his that's his job. That's what he's. And if he doesn't do it, then we'll know after yeah, 24 that he didn't make a change. Right. And and so that's kind of where we're at. And if he does do it, mm-hmm. I know that most people in the chat that are hammering him now will say, hey, I was wrong because there's been a lot of people that were wrong about Al Golden that have come around and said, hey, I was wrong about Al Golden, and I'm glad that I was wrong about Al Golden. And I'll bet you $20 if Jared Parker tears it up next year that Stubcast will be the first person in the chat saying, man, I'm glad I'm wrong about that guy. Props to Coach Freeman for, for seeing what I didn't see. Most will be that way, and that's what I love yeah. about this community. And and I'll admit if I'm wrong. I'm like, hey, he wasn't the guy. I thought he was. He's not the guy, right? And so that's what I, I love just, about this community. So I don't, I don't know. Right. 
that's, I, I see that's, enough that's that I'm optimistic about, but enough that also has to change where I can't say, guys, this move is made. Jared Parker's going to look like the second coming of Joe Brady next year. I, yeah. I don't know that. I just, I've seen enough to make me say, if he can build on that and improve here, here, and here, I think he's got a chance. You know, and like I said, knowing the dysfunction that existed, it, it yeah. hopefully we'll look back and say, yo, that, that season was more impressive than yeah. we thought. That was a turning, exactly. It was a turning point. So we're going to move on to some other topics here first, Sean. But before we do, folks, do me a favor. Hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Share this podcast. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. 